ground forces. Trap one, I've just returned the docks to space. Safe and sound, over. Trap one received, over. regular and fellow eight primitive Keith welcome back thank you and hello we last had on the podcast a few weeks ago talking about the Empress of Mars we were with Denise hello Denise <laughs> it feels like a lot's happened since then <laughs> it certainly has uh, so to start at the uh, the beginning uh, what did you think of the end of series 10 um, after we uh, after we spoke with the Empress of Mars we had the Eaters of Light and then the two-part finale I Empress of Light didn't make much of an impression on me, probably because I was too busy being excited about the next story, to be honest. I've just bought the um, uh, second part of the, this series on DVD. I'm going to watch it properly and not have to be sort of like full of anticipation for what's to come. Um, so I haven't really given that a fair uh, crack of the whip, I don't think. I adored the Cyberman story. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I found the second part genuinely moving. Um, I really enjoyed this year, the... Uh, Saying goodbye to Bill and Nardle, I found genuinely, um, I was choked up, I'll admit it. Which is unusual for me, I usually sit through these things with a wry, cynical eye, but uh, no, I thought it was genuinely a beautiful bit of television. Yeah. I think I think for me it's my favourite finale since since series came back and we've had season finales. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been the most satisfying one and, and yeah, the one I've enjoyed the most. I'd say. I've been spoiled about David Bradley, which was a shame really, because I think not knowing that was coming would have been amazing, but... It had been rumoured for so long, really. It was as soon as you saw the snowy um, landscape, I thought everybody knew it was coming. But yeah, uh, yeah. But to see when Nardle left, I thought I really, even though we don't know anything about him, I've still enjoyed his contribution to the show. When he left, it was such a, it was low key. It was nicely done. It was beautifully acted, and it was just it was just genuinely a moving exit for him, a traditional exit in a way. With companion going to do stuff for other people, quite bleak as well, because really. They're just living above something really horrible down below, which is basically going to get him in the end, isn't it? <laughs> so, That's it. <laughs> and uh, then to have um, Bill going off into the sunset with a girlfriend, and I believe I did predict that Heather might come back yeah. again, which I was incredibly smug about. And um, I was generally moved by that to see a gay couple going off together on BBC on prime time, especially with the news we're hearing at the moment in the world. So I found that genuinely moving, yeah. It was, uh, yeah, I think it, it really hit home like that. And uh, I found it moving when Nardole was just standing by the lift. Mm. He'd obviously spent a long time there waiting, thinking the doctor was going to come back. Like Greyfriars Bobby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so it would be, yeah, like I say, it is quite dark, knowing that Sidemen will eventually come. Yeah. Um, whether uh, Big Finish will uh, will pick that up or anything. Oh, or, to, uh, yes, yeah. or, or leave his fate undetermined. It'd be nice to think that he was going to, you come up with something to defeat them or, or find a way off the ship. Uh, but I thought it was interesting, I think I mentioned this in the past couple of times, that Nardole got the traditional companion mm. exit of, uh, of, you know, kind of uh, meeting somebody and kind of going off romantically. And I was genuinely surprised how moved I was, actually, because he's, even though his companion's been very peripheral, one, and, but the way it was written, the way it was acted, I just, I genuinely found it, so I thought, I d- I've enjoyed this team, and it's sad to see it break up, and that moment you realised it was... That was the end, really, yeah. 
So yes, I was uh, I was very impressed by it. And the Cybermen were probably handled the best they've been for a long, long time. Yeah. Possibly even ever. And um, the Masters were good fun, and the yeah. lovely ironic ending was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yes, it was very clever. I really enjoyed it. And that scene in the barn where you saw us both as a Cyberman and as Bill was a beautiful bit of writing. Mm. And how that doesn't win an award for just cleverness and direction, I will never know because that was excellent. Yeah, yeah, the way it cut between the, the two was uh, mm. really well done, definitely. Um, so since then, news has, uh, has kept coming. Obviously, the casting of Geordie Whittaker. I will never forgive them for making me watch tennis, but never mind. <laughs> Uh, Basically, so what happens? They're hitting a ball over a net and then they're hitting it back and then yeah. <laughs> they're counting 15s. Why? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not very... I mean, I don't understand the rules, so it wasn't it was particularly interesting to, uh, <laughs> to watch it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been, obviously been a bit of discussion, shall we say. Yeah, that's the understatement of the year, yes. Um, obviously, the, the news this week that Peter Davison has, has left Twitter... Um, because I didn't follow him actually, uh, so it's not going to bother me too much. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't follow Peter Davis? I'm afraid not. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. uh, not for any particular reason. I just yeah. more or less hadn't realised he was on particularly. I, I tend to unfollow people who didn't tweet very often, and he didn't. So, uh, so uh, saying a lot of um, uh, like Doctor Who companions on there. I think I followed Nicola Bryant and Colin Baker. And that's probably about it, actually. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't need to tweet very much, but uh, it just seemed like just very kind of representative Twitter as a whole and the modern world in that people read a headline uh, and thought that was all there was to it, whereas in fact there was a much more nuanced thing there where he was saying that it was uh, Jodie Wick was a great choice, she'd be brilliant. Uh, if he had one reservation, it would be the, the loss of a role model for boys sort of thing. But the, the world is just... not a place for subtlety anymore, really. No, 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 it isn't, is it? So, uh, yeah, that that seems a, a shame. But uh, most, a lot of people that have left Twitter have come back, haven't they? You know, Stephen Fry periodically leaves. And uh... one thing I wish I had done is all the people who said they were never going to watch it again. I wish I'd have taken screen grabs <laughs> of the tweets of them saying that, so I could like <laughs> put it back to them later where they're complaining about the new series because. Uh, I followed a couple of people who have said they weren't going to watch season 10 and seem to be you know, remarkably yeah. well informed <laughs> on it and on season 9 and on season 8 and probably since William Hall. Yeah. <laughs> they probably hated it since the Daleks. Yeah. yeah. Doctor Who's about cavemen and nothing else. Yeah, no, about the school. It's, uh... Yes, yes. <laughs> it never uh, the same with all that police box into it, was it? That's it, yeah. When it was just about the teachers, that was, mm -hmm. the, uh, that was the time. Fog, that's what it's about. Fog. Uh, so, and the other obviously sad news that we've had recently, uh, the, the losses of Deborah Watling and Trevor Baxter. Trevor Baxter, I believe, had not been well for a long time, so possibly not a surprise, but um, I was upset to hear that the, uh, we've got all the Jago and Lightfoot. I'd have hoped there was a few sort of recorded ahead, but I, I got the impression from the Big Finish podcast, I could be wrong. That they've put out all the, the material they've got. Ah, right. So I I'm hoping that's wrong and I've just misunderstood that because I'd love to think that they've had one and like recorded ready. But it might, on the other hand, it might be a bit of a sad experience to listen to as well. But yeah, um, yeah it was, um, it's, it's been a wonderful um, series for the Jago and Lightfoot. It's an amazing thing how young he was when he did uh, Talons, though. Yeah. He was only about 40. <laughs> so he's actually younger than I am now. <laughs> <laughs> He did play it very much older, didn't yeah. he, very effectively. 
It's um, whether they might do a little coda maybe with the remaining cast or not. I don't know. Well, whether we would want that or not, I'm not quite sure yet, and I don't suppose they are. But um, yeah. yes, it was um, it was a sad day. I've still got most of them to listen to. I think I'm listening about the first four seasons, um, something like that. So some I listen uh, to straight away when they come out, and some I put on the back burner and listen to when the and Jake and Lightfoot was always one I would listen to straight away. Yeah, because it was always, uh, if nothing else, the two of them together were amusing. Yeah, the and the, the dialogue's always uh, really well written for them as yeah. well. Yeah, and just from one appearance as well in the Talents of Wen Chiang, it is astonishing. Isn't it? Yeah, because they're only in two episodes together, which is a big surprise. That's yeah. what always surprises me when I rewatch it is is that they are not together for so long of the mm. of the story that they uh, yeah, it's even before the big finish ones they. They always seemed to loom large, didn't they? In uh, in Doctor Who, there was. Um, I think it was rumored at the time that they considered it was a possibility. I don't think it ever got beyond. Wouldn't that be a good idea? But uh, yes. Robert Holmes wanted to write um, a sitcom with him, didn't he? Like a sort of a period. But the idea sort of rattled around for a long time, wasn't it? It was always like like uh, Doctor Who magazine discussions about spin-offs and stuff. It was always one that got yeah. like, suggested. So yeah, but uh, and yes, it's, it was sad when it finished. Yeah. Did when um, Doctor Who magazine used to do the uh, those short stories, brief encounters, were they uh, something like that? Yeah, I remember one of those that was um, Jago Lightfoot, I think, with the Fifth Doctor. Yeah, you've got a good memory. That, <laughs> that seems uh, a long time ago now, though. It's, it's the only one I can remember, but it, yeah, it sticks in my mind. So it, it always seemed like a logical thing to bring them back, and uh, so they've, they've teamed up with the Fourth Doctor again and the Sixth Doctor, haven't they? Yeah, they even came companions for the Sixth Doctor. So yeah, rather, there's those. those rather nice, and they got stuck in the sixties. And that series is a joy. At, uh, that's probably my favourite. That, that's one that I haven't heard yet. I, I listened to those two. Is it Voyage to Venus and Voyage to the New World? Something like that. that. Yeah. Um, because I think they were only the special offer. They're a pound each. They were wonderfully cheap. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I listened to them out of sequence with, with any of the rest of the series. But the cliffhanger to the second one is the Sixth Doctor dropping them off. Yeah, in the pub where they uh, that they frequent, um, but it's uh, it's out of time. Yeah, and that that yeah. is a joy. That series, even changing the um, uh, theme music to be like sound like the sixties is, is wonderful. Yeah, ah, brilliant. Yeah. I will have to I'll have to uh, to get around to those. Yeah, um, and Deborah Watling um, only did one series with uh, the Second Doctor, um, but I was think kind of looms large as well because. I was thinking there's a lot of iconic photos, particularly, isn't there? There's the... The many spice warriors standing in front of a TARDIS near Yetis and all sorts of yeah, things. Yeah, the... the I think she was probably more famous for her convention appearances in the end, because for such a long time, there was so little material for her. Yeah. And she's usually a joy at these... And then on the commentaries as well, she was good fun. She had that wonderful relationship with Fraser Hind, and even they remain friends to this day, haven't they? Yeah. You, you could hear it when they spent any time together. She had a bit of a renaissance recently, I suppose, because they've actually discovered so much more of her stuff. I mean, she's got uh, double the quantity of episodes she had That's previously. That's it, yeah, with the, with the web of fear and the, and the enemy of the world. I was just thinking, my first sort of experience of Victoria was uh, the brief clip of um, Resurrection of the Darks, which is on the screen and she's sort of just wobbling her jaw, looking yeah. frightened. <laughs> it's not the best introduction for her character. But, um, yes, I mean, it's... 69 as well is no age for anybody is it? no yeah she must be makes think how young she was when she was in, in the series as well um, but that, that scene in Tomb of the Cybermen that she has with uh, Patrick Troughton where they, they talk about grief basically in his family that's 
become incredibly famous, hasn't it? Yeah, really. And uh, so, so there's that really iconic scene. And like you say, the the, the colour shots of her in um, the Wales somewhere. Yeah, filming Doctor Who in Wales. Yeah. That never <laughs> catch on. No. Um, in in the Abominable Snowmen, is uh, I've got a big poster of that somewhere actually as well. I got from a convention. Um, it was the poster that they had behind her when she was um, signing. You know, they always have a, like a character one. Yeah. And then they did a charity auction afterwards, so, so I picked that up because it's because uh, it's such a cool, uh, iconic scene. I mean, looking at people's recollection of her, just fun seemed to be the word that turned up more than anything. She seemed to be uh, quite a jolly lady and spread that uh, generously. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, yeah, shame. I, I don't know how much Big Finish. Um, she done some do companion much, chronicles. She did a couple. Her voice had changed so much, I suppose they struggled a bit. Yeah. She did one with Peter Davidson where she played a different character called Auntie Ellen. Um, then she did one with Colin Baker, which was based on a script which they hadn't used where they brought her back. And that was sort of set in the 80s, so she sort of played the um, old character. Um, she thinks she played a bit of an activist in that. Mm. And, um, yeah, but she did. She was, she didn't do, I think the last one she did was The Black Hole. Where she sort of like um, it was where she stayed back when they popped off to do uh, the two doctors basically. Ah, so right, yeah. <laughs> it, it was her adventures while they were off doing yeah. that. So I haven't heard that one. I have to, I have to look that one up as well. Um, and on screen, she came back as Victoria in Downtime. She did, yeah, didn't she? Um, Much maligned of Downtown. I absolutely adore Downtown. Everybody yeah. seems to find it trendy to uh, <laughs> criticise it now. But at the time, which I always judge everything by. Yeah. When I first watched it, and we'd been so starved of seeing these people actually moving, and we hadn't actually seen much of Victoria at all, don't forget. No. Uh, I thought it was brilliant at the time, to be honest. It was a nice sort of coda to her story. Uh, yeah, it was the same at the time, that and Shakedown. Um, yeah, yeah enjoyed, enjoyed both of those. I didn't see a lot of that sort of stuff, like the Air Zone Solution and those type of things. But I got those two on video. Um, yeah, Shakedown and Downtime. Downtime because it had the, it got the brigadier and Sarah yes, Jane as well. Yet he should be purple, really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, so the main um, focus of the podcast we're going to discuss unit assembled. We are, uh, which is the latest unit release box set from Big Finish. Clever covering both classic and new who. Yeah, so it it sounds like a caption in the IKEA catalogue, um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you say. Unit assembled is uh, we've got Joe Grant, Captain Yates, and Sergeant Benton teaming up with the modern unit uh, TV characters of um, Kate Oscar. also in downtime. <laughs> uh, Kate and yeah, Kate she's in downtime, isn't she? As a as a little actress, girl. but yeah. uh, so she's regenerated since. Yeah, and Osgood and Osgood, uh, and then the other sort of uh, characters you've got uh, just in the. And I don't think the uh, Colonel's in this one, is he? No, so, but uh, Josh, the, uh, I think he's the half Auton man, I think he's in it as yeah. well. Yeah, so. and there's another guy as well, I can't remember his name. Yeah, the Colonel guy. Uh, Let's hope he's not listening now. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, he's in Silence, isn't he? Which is the only other one of these I've heard. Which is also brilliant. I really yeah. love that one. Yeah, I love Silence. Really good use of, of, of the silence. Genuinely clever and genuinely funny as well in places yeah. as well. It's, and creepy. Yeah. Very, very creepy. Yeah, very good. Uh, so in this one, uh, the first part of which is called Call to Arms, uh, where we catch up with Yates and Benton, first of all. Be uh, Benton is retiring from running a pub in the Lake District. Having got married to the lady he met in the Companion Chronicles and given up selling cars, apparently. 
That's it. So yeah, the reference in being a car salesman, which is the saying earlier, was from Mordred Undead. Mordred Undead, the Brigadier says he's been a car salesman. Uh, now he's he's running above somewhere near Scarfell, doesn't it? Uh, it seems like not um, not a bad idea because lots of sort of servicemen sort of take up pods later in their careers, don't they? Yeah. So it's, uh, um, and pertinent to us because we are in Cumbria. We are. Which uh, if and it has pubs, so uh, yeah, it's very relevant. <laughs> um, so if you're not familiar with, if you are, you know, from uh, what 25% of, of Trap One listeners are in the USA. Really? Yeah. So uh, howdy. And we're so sorry. <laughs> Resist. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Cumbria is the county that we live in. The Lake District National Park is in is contained within. Um, not somewhere the doctor visits, visits very often because it's too far away from London. It's yeah, it's it's about ten minutes from where we are. It's about ten minutes from the Scottish border, uh, so about as far north as you can go. Um, I think there's another big finish that takes place in the Lake District, and that's about it. Ah, which one's that? I think it's the um, I think it's the Zygon one. I think it's um, sort of like near Windermere or something. I might be completely wrong. But, one of the uh, BBC books, Sting of the Zygons. Oh, maybe that's the one I'm thinking of. Is set in the Lake District. I wrote a blog actually because uh, about Doctor Who in Cumbria in series seven, isn't it? Hide. Uh, hide, the episode Hide. There's a scene where the Doctor and Clara are talking about um, the, the expression ignorance is bliss. But for the Doctor, he says, what, he says what's the opposite of bliss? To which Clara replies... Carlisle he did uh, so I wrote a blog about that episode the next day and obviously mentioned that living in Carlisle um, and then a couple of days later I'd had like an inordinate number of hits on that blog which not many people read it or, re- or read it but I had had like a couple of hundred or something like that so I thought that's strange um, and in the statistics it tells you what people have searched for to get that and it was what is Carlisle what does this mean? Why is Carlisle the opposite of bliss? Things like that. So I thought, I'll write a blog explaining it. Um, so I explained what Carlisle was and where we are. And then sort of picked up on the, the few other sort of Doctor Who references, which there aren't many. I think in the 20th century series of Doctor Who, Ace talks about Sellafield in Ghostlight. And that's the only one I could think of off the top of my head. Uh, when they, think of that, uh, she, um, when they they're doing the stuff in the in the ship in Ghostlight, they've got those kind of energy rods and stuff. Right. And she says, "Oh, I'm going to get do something safe after this." Or and get you're definitely the seventh Doctor man, though, aren't you? So yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, I do love that era. Um, so yeah, and the other sort of things are that there's the uh, the sting of the Zygons is is that there. Um, Zygon cows. I thought that was marvelous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so. It is kind of easy to imagine uh, because I think in Sting of the Zygons they've got a, a Scarrison kind of running amok uh, in the lake. Possibly even in the lake, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's quite it's quite cool to think of. I think they're saying that Scarfell Pike has got um, a Silurian hibernation chamber underneath it, aren't they? Which uh, Osgood and I wouldn't be at all surprised. Yeah, uh, Kate Stewart are checking out when things go awry. Um, there's a there's a Silurian leader. There's sort of an implication that Unit sort of keeps a regular eye on all of them. They're sort of located loads of them, and they're sort of like keeping a wary eye on these things, which kind of makes sense, really, because if you know you've got a potential yeah. enemy under your feet, it would be probably a good idea just to make sure they're uh, safely asleep. That's it. Yeah, the, the the third Doctor had set up some kind of a network. I need to keep an eye on him. So they they run into trouble with an extremist Silurian called Jastrock. Jast. 
Jastrock. I'll let you do the pronunciation. Think, yeah, it's something like that. I think that. it's Jastrock. Um, so, seeking shelter, they go to Sergeant Benton's pub, where he... And it becomes pub under siege, which is yeah. a nice sort of change of the unit base under siege, which I thought was quite fun. Yeah, it's quite cool, isn't it? And then they're getting attacked and uh, they have to come up with some ingenious uh, ways. And loads of people on. we've never met before, but they know sort of end up dead, which is a big surprise. Yeah. But none of the rest. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first time I listened to it, there's a, there's a lady there called Anne. Mm. I, I don't know why. I thought that was Corporal Bell. But am I? They never. But when I listen to the second time, they never. Different say actors if it is, but it's not impossible, I suppose. But, yeah. Uh, but she comes to an unceremonious end if it is her. So they. I wouldn't have thought that it killed off. It'd also be unfortunate to have your initials as A Bell as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, probably should have said at the start actually. If you haven't heard this and you, and you intend to, uh, then um, don't listen yet because there'll, there'll be spoilers. Um, but they eventually escape with Bessie. Turns out that. Um, the brigadier has bequeathed Bessie to Sergeant Benton, hasn't he? And uh, they make so it escape from Gallifrey. Then when it after the five doctors, <laughs> oh, yeah. I was had imagined it sort of <laughs> forlornly sitting there on Gallifrey, all abandoned. But they, but it must have been, it must have been home after that to be in Robot and Battlefield anyway, must not it? Driven after you. Oh, you got another one. Oh, so these celestial beings are just happily moving cars across the galaxy. Yeah. Maybe not better to do. Not fighting Daleks or anything. No, but moving cars. Yeah, because I, I mean, I've always assumed that the Cybermen and the Daleks that that survived the Five Doctors were uh, were returned to their. Uh, you wouldn't really want them in your garden, would you? So it'd yeah. <laughs> be a good idea to send them back. Yeah, if they wanted, if they ever wanted to do the Death Zone up, you know, if they wanted to. Uh, there's one for Big Finish, Death Zone Adventures. Yeah, if they, you know, if they wanted to expand. Actually, that's a really good idea. Yeah. <laughs> I'd buy that. <laughs> <laughs> they could, they could set it in the dark times, couldn't they? And, uh, and we've got the series on Gallifrey, so it's not impossible. Yeah, I, I never heard any of those. It's impossible to keep up with all the Big Finish ranges. I mean, I, I do pretty well, but uh, there's some I don't. Uh, I think if you did all of them, you'd be a bankrupt and be yeah. have any time at all, would you? Yeah. The trouble is, you, you need to work to pay for them, and then working just means you don't have time to listen to them all. That is the irony. Yeah, it you is. need a commute. That's what you need. Yeah. <laughs> you need a decent commute. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't have that anymore. So uh, yeah, just. Uh, so it's interesting what they've done with the character's continuity, though, especially because we we were talking before about how Yates's um, life has become very complicated through the various different medias. I mean, he got very confusing in the books. Um, and even on the audio adventures, he's sort of got like a life um, with uh, Tom Baker now. And he got sort of brought back to the unit fold. He's got the worlds of Doctor Who, where he was sort of brought back to the unit fold with the characters, um, um, other unit characters from a different uh, spin-off. Um, you've got the unit um, novels as well. So he features those. And he also wrote his own sort of redemption story, which was the Killing Stone. So he's got quite a complicated life now, um, Captain Yates, considering he was sort of... Uh, a minor character, shall we say. It's, uh, he's got quite a lot of depth now. Everybody has sort of like, yeah. a, like a definitive life for him. Good luck to <laughs> them, because, uh, yeah. I wonder if the, in this, they, they don't really flesh out his what he's been up to or what he normally does in life in the way that they do with where Benton's got his wife and his pub and he's going to retire abroad. Mm. Uh, and Joe's story ties in with what we saw in the it's Sarah quite nice Jane they didn't focus so much on his sort of like downfall as well. They sort of concentrated more on the good side because... I think it's too easy really to focus on those last two stories and uh, yeah. have all his life revolving around that, which would be a major thing, obviously. But 
not necessarily appropriate in, a, in this kind of an adventure story. It'd be more drawn a character piece, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's it. That uh, yeah, he's moved on from from his shocking betrayal. It's just a shame there was no Liz. I'd love to see. Uh, James would like to have had um, an audio with um, Joe and Liz together. Oh, so that would have been marvelous. Yeah, but, uh, like the two sort of sides of the sort of the scatter companion, the scientific companion. It's uh, another great loss, Caroline John, because she was excellent on uh, excellently used in Big Finish. That's a shame. Yeah. I did think it was ironic that uh, Benton and Yates never actually met the Sea Devils or the Silurians on television. No, that's true. They didn't. Uh, was Benton not in the Silurians? No, he didn't turn remember. up. He didn't come back until um, Ambassadors. So right. They, so they were both in the um, book, The Scales of Injustice, but on television, neither yeah. actually saw it. It was ironic that they were assembled to sort of like uh, talk about a villain they'd never actually met. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Joey uh, met the Sea Devils, so she did, didn't she? Yeah. Um, and even Kate's father never met the Sea Devils either, so the only person who actually met any of them was Joe. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose they would have, uh, they'd have been aware of it, of, of it happening at the time. Because um, they talk about, it's like the Yates thing, isn't it, when they bring him in in Terror of the Autons, mm. and they say that he was involved in the, the mopping up operation after Spearhead on Space, but he'd never been in, in series season seven, hadn't he? he wasn't, yeah. uh, we'd never seen him up to that point. As well, he wouldn't have survived because the Silurians killed the captain in that one, so we'd uh, He'd have been gone. They did. It was, um, it was uh, Paul Barrow. Paul Barrow yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, imagine if they kept him on instead. Oh, I think so. Once the uh, the um, the Salones are apparently defeated. And they're a horrible bunch. In Cumbria, they are. Nasty, nasty, racist, you devils. Uh, Siler and Sins. Didn't like them. Yeah. Got Neil Macintosh back playing, uh, being a villain again so after being uh, Madame Vasta for so long. It's quite nice to hear him get sort of like unpleasant and hardball again. It's a beautiful voice you've got. He's one of those people you can listen to for hours, so that was nice. To have yeah, that, very good. And it's it's that thing is you've got the old unit characters and the new characters. You've also got the classic Sea Devils with the new Silurians, haven't you? That's, yeah. uh, Which is strange because Big Finish, they do use the traditional Silurian voice for past adventures. Um, yeah. But curiously, this time they've used the. Uh, I suppose it's uh, set in um, New Who period. They brought the um, the uh, new voices, but uh, well, it's got like a little divide about which stories go yeah. on the old side of the voice, <laughs> new one. So because Blood Tide they had the original voices, but I noticed they've got a new um, one coming up called Silurian Candidate, which is a brilliant title. Yeah. Don't what the story will be like, but the title's marvelous, and I heard on the um, trailer that they've got the original Silurian voices for that as well. So ah, yeah. you obviously have a classic voice for classic stories in yeah. uh, modern. So. Who's, who's Doctor that for? Um, oh, it's your friend. It's Mr. McCoy. So. Ah, very good. Ace and Mel. Yeah, I haven't heard... Okay, I keep saying this. I haven't heard any of these yet, but that's quite an exciting thing to have uh, Ace and Mel. Well, if you will go around having a life, I'll be it's, it's, it's difficult. I am going to... Uh, Less time in the gym, more time yeah. in audio. <laughs> <laughs> the gym's when I, I, I tend to listen to them now. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, when I kind of get... I mean, listen to a podcast or a, or a big finish. Uh, so the the saloons apparently defeated in the Lake District. Uh, the next story is, but it's a ploy. It's a ploy. The Jastrock has uh, blown up his own base and brainwashed one of the unit men. Ooh, he has uh, Burmaster. Ooh, no idea. I, I think the guy's called. Um, I don't recall him from any of the previous stories. So no, I don't think he's. Well, I've only heard he's not in silenced, which I've heard. Mm. But uh, again, in silenced, one of the unit troops is brainwashed. Is that Josh? Yes, he's brainwashed by the silence to uh, work for the Farage-like political. I've forgotten that. Uh, I've forgotten yeah. that. <laughs> 
So it's, it's a fine tradition of, uh, of unit people being uh, taken over and brainwashed, uh, a la Captain Yates and... Uh, and Joe. And Joe, and, yeah, anybody <laughs> else, yeah. <laughs> uh, so he's working against unit. So in the next story, he joins Osgood and Joe Grant as they take the Charybdis, which is an underwater hydroelectric... Quite clever holding Joe back an episode as well, so it wasn't so we weren't swamped by everybody you know I mean the same time. So it's uh, yes, made it was quite nice to have a sort of like uh, appear midway. So because she's such a dominant character, she'd have probably have uh, dominated the scenes with Yates and Benton as well. So that was quite nice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Osgood turns total fangirl with Joe, which is quite good fun. Yeah, she does. She does a bit with um, with Yates and Benton, but uh, but with Joe, she goes uh, yeah. she goes really bothered, and she want to hear about Omega and. Uh, uh, the Orgrons. Uh, Rather pleasingly on the cover of the uh, thing, dressed as uh, Pertwee as well. So. <laughs> yeah, she's, uh, she does a cosplay thing, doesn't she? Um, they, they reference it, don't they, about, she says, uh, Joe says to a nice uh, nice smoking jacket or yeah. something. Like that. Yeah. yeah, she's got the bow tie and the uh, and the green jacket. This is definitely um, post-Sarah Jane Adventures, uh, Joe Grant as well, isn't it? They're sort of like ignored some of the, like, the, the book continuities of all the horrible divorces and stuff like that. Yeah, so, yeah this is... Uh, a Joe I approve of a sort of happier um, sort of activist Joe yeah she's um, do they reference um, it's Death of the Doctor isn't it the Sarah Jane adventure yeah. where, she, where she comes into it she talks about her grandson Santiago that's in that loads and, uh, of uh, grandchildren yes so uh, and, and the adventure she has kind of uh, protesting over the world which is where Kate Stewart goes to find her she handcuffs herself to Robert McGolby I believe yes. yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and this down the Amazon in a tea chest. Yeah, uh, they, they, they encounter the sea devils, which uh, where they've been breeding some hybrids, which at first I assumed were going to be the um, the Merka. Oh yes, from Warriors of the Deep. That would have been funny. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we find later they're sort of hybrids of, of dinosaurs, so they've got. Um, it's sort of like it's a weapons research base originally, wasn't it? And this was the the. Uh, the monstrosities they created even amongst the sort of reptile society was sort of like uh, they weren't terribly happy with the ideas that this is sort of like a bit of a taboo place they, they've got just a storage yeah. unit now yeah so they were uh, they've got sort of the, the, the sea dinosaurs the plesiosaurs is it but they're armored like the triceratops and uh, sea devils were the original voices and voiced by nick briggs doing one of his fine alien monsters ah, i hadn't realized that yeah very good uh, and they're very much in the vein of, of they are in the TV series where they are they're not uh, an overtly aggressive species they can be reasoned with uh, you know they can't use much on audio either you think they've got such distinctive voices it'd be quite a good monster to have but uh, I could only find one big uh, finish which was a Benny Summerfield one which I've got um, at least two years ago sort of Poison Seas and that was about sea devils but I can't remember any mm. other audio adventures with them no I can't I don't know. with such distinctive voices it'd be quite a good one to use but uh, yeah, that is strange, isn't it? I suppose the problem I had with this box set and with all Silurian Sea Devil Adventures is ultimately you've got to defeat them because we can't have a world unless they did a really amazing drama where from then on every big finish yeah. set on Earth was set on like a, <laughs> on a society where the Sea Devils were living in perfect harmony with the people. Then ultimately they've got to lose. Yeah. And that's a big problem I have with their stories. That, that's it. You either destroy them I suppose as they did in the Silurians or put them to sleep again so or they go back into hibernation mm. which is what happened in um, 
the TV story that they did with the Eleventh Doctor, isn't it? They, uh, they and you sort of get the argument: it's our planet. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. Yeah, and I kind of get a bit wearing after a while. But and I say I've confessed to friends at the time, but I did struggle a wee bit um, in the middle with this one, thinking, yeah, it's the same story. Especially when Joe sort of became like a proto Doctor, she was sort of like channeling Pertwee yeah. and wanted to be wanted to sort of respect his memory by. Um, being the peacemaker. Yeah, carrying out what he failed to do in the first place, which was a lovely idea. But you think, think, you're not going to. But then the end of it was really clever. The fact she sort of succeeded and failed at the same time, which was yeah very clever. I like that, yes. yeah. I sort of yeah. thought, oh, God, they're going to blow him up at the end, stuff like that. And then that led to what I thought was the best part of the story. Yeah. So, yes, I was very, very impressed by that. Yeah, and um, it was a good voice as well. Yeah. The Yeah, so the the that's the final part, is when you finally get all the characters... In the story, the third part doesn't have any of the old unit people, does it? It's got the uh, it's got Kate Stewart and Osgood and, and the new ones. But I love the idea of the advancing menace. Yeah, I think that is generally really good and really nightmarish. Where it's, all the dinosaurs and the hybrids are heading towards are coming, and there's nothing the you UK. can do about it. I mean, yeah. it's such a nightmarish idea. I mean, it's like uh, nightmarish of a children. There's something advancing towards him. There's nothing you can do to stop it. And I thought that was really good. Yeah, and so easy to realise on um, audio. <laughs> well, that's it, because by the fourth part of this, uh, the saloons have taken over the UK, they've based themselves in the Houses of Parliament, the... The, um, the, the fear thing, they've got like a fear device, haven't they, which they can... Yeah, because what they talk about is how the original, and it was in the in Doctor Who and the Silurians, isn't it, that the Silurians, uh, they don't emit it, but they have that effect on humans, that primordial the race it's memory, not a big part of the um, TV. This is like a, a couple of the workers in the, um, the nuclear reactor place, isn't there? Yeah. But it's more of a feature of the books, I think. I think mm. uh, the original Hulk book, it features a lot more from that. And the uh, it's been grasped by writers of sort of like uh, spin-off fiction and stuff like that. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, so these salarians don't have that, but they've artificially created it with devices. So they've got... So what's good uh, gets a blast of it and she sort of... Uh, Becomes very uncharacteristic. She's sort of yeah. like, uh, yeah, very fearful, very um, primitive, doesn't she? And Kate has a bad time. But so it's, it's not without jeopardy for the. Um, it's not focused entirely on the original uh, team. It's nice they have get um, a bit where they can sort of like shine in that third episode. But it's, again, it's just sort of exploring another laboratory in a way. It's covering yeah. similar ground to the previous episode. Yeah, uh, they're they're kind of looking for something they can use against the uh, to stop the horde of nasties. That's it. Uh, well, I thought it was quite funny in, in the last episode. The the Silurians have taken over. the The coast of, of Britain is surrounded by uh, hybrid dinosaurs. There's pterodactyls in the air. So uh, these days they'd be defeated by seagulls. Though, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Yates has put out um, a fake story about avian flu or swine yes. flu or something. Uh, <laughs> so nobody's any other wiser. <laughs> Which. Uh, Stretches credulity a little bit, I suppose, but uh, yeah, that idea of uh, where they because they're going to found the first uh, nation of Silurians, aren't they, in, in the British Isles? Used as a staging post, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. But also, was, there wasn't that many of them. This is like quite a breakaway group. They're yeah. actually destroying a lot of their own people who a don't agree with them, b they just don't really care either. So it's um, a lot of political allegory there, I suspect. But uh, yeah, That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> Not entirely subtle. <laughs> yeah, well, I think after after silenced as well, like that was very uh, there was a very Farage like character in it, wasn't there? Who was uh, you know this kind of demagogue and, and, and populist. Uh, I suppose it's uh, 
Yeah, it's, it's going along the same sort of lines, isn't it? That's probably the original unit stories. They sort of had political parallels as well, didn't they? So especially with Barry Letts' era stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was always keen on a, an ecological message and a, a bit of Buddhism thrown in as well, wasn't he? What, what uh, obviously I'm a big fan of the unit era, which is the name of the, the podcast and everything gives that away. Um, we were discussing this before, though. I'm the, of the generation which had really missed that unit. I was quite young. I can just about remember the end of the Pertwee era, and I can remember Robot, and there was the soldiers. Obviously, one of the soldiers got on quite well with the Doctor, but that didn't, I was watching the Robot, to be honest. Yeah. And um, Sarah Jane. I remember being fascinated by her. And then by um, Zygons, again, they were just soldiers. It didn't occur to me they were regular characters. And, of course, from that point onwards, they were... I remember Harry returning in Android Invasion. Benton didn't make any impression on yeah. me at all that he'd come back. And then they were gone. And then, really, big part of my watching childhood unit weren't there. So this is purely nostalgia for me from when I became a fan and learned about it, learning from the books and um, articles and stuff like that. I mean, I think we underestimate the importance of the Target Adventures. I think yeah. possibly people of my age are probably more Target Adventure fans than actual TV fans because they're more accessible because there's no videos or anything. I'm in a, so. a similar sort of situation. Obviously, I'm many years younger than you. So I uh, don't Gosh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm not that much younger, but I don't remember the uh, yes, the <laughs> <laughs> the unit era. Uh, I, I only started watching with, with McCoy, mm. so I had less than two seasons before it was cancelled. Um, so, like you say, it was the really catching up with the with the Target books mm. um, for a few years before we started getting the UK Gold repeats and the, the mm. video releases and the things. First like time that. I saw the Brigadier, where I knew it was the Brigadier, was Mordred and Dead, basically. Yeah. And that's only because I was a fan by then and I, knew, I read the books and I knew who he was. I suspect fans of the um, people who like, were just regular viewers were probably completely baffled by it until they did the little uh, recap. Yeah. But uh, yeah, then the five doctors. And, um, yeah, so Unit for me was always something for which I didn't have any sort of like particular nostalgia for. So mm. in a way, the new series is probably going to create nostalgia for Unit for modern fans more than me as a classic fan. Yeah. Because they've been in it more or less from the beginning, haven't they? Because even in um, Eccleston's third story, it's maybe? Uh, uh, no. Aliens of London. Yeah, they were unit yeah. soldiers, weren't they? They were, yeah. Even it's, it's almost a pity they didn't. And unit websites and stuff like that featured in it, didn't it? So they've always been about. That's it. The password is Buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas in 72, they weren't. As soon as, um, from sort of like season 15 onwards, they were never mentioned really, were they? So no, that was it. They were it. gone. So I was yeah. totally unaware of them until I started buying Doctor Who magazine. It's a shame they didn't get a regular unit team in place earlier. Maybe in the Russell T. Davis era, because they had they, did. Uh, they had a couple of um, that um, the one from the Donna adventure where Turn Left she came back, didn't she? She's in a couple of them. Isn't yeah, she? yeah. So, but I suppose they're not sort of like. Um, there was one in. Ooh, maybe I'm wrong. No, the Captain of the Valiant never came back, did he? So. No, and no, I the, suppose not then. the guy um, from the Santaran one. Got did killed, but he came back in the alternative universe or in the past or something like that. So did he get killed? They had regular, there was a soldier who died, I think, and then he came back in turn left because that was set slightly previous to that. I might be horribly wrong about that. I can't remember that at all. The guy who's in charge of, of unit in... When when the 10th Doctor says, oh, this sounds oh, like this... Yeah, about the sleuthing business. Yeah. I can't remember his name, but he's referenced in, in unit assembles as well because they talk about Bambera being away and... This chap whose name I can't remember. It's Colonel Craig Novelux. I don't know. Shameful. 
I think they might have mentioned him as well. They sort of mention all the all the big wigs that are uh, mm. old and new, uh, and uh, that's why. So as you say, in the last one, when it's the uh, Britain's under siege, Kate Stewart and Osgood can't get back. Um, they leave Yates, Benton, and Joe in charge, don't they, of of unit and the defence of the realm. And they don't get on terribly well, which no. I was quite pleased by <laughs> as well. Yeah, it wasn't a. Um, I think sometimes we mix the actors up with the with the characters, and because they get on so well on at conventions and stuff like that, yeah. there's a kind of an assumption that the characters are going to do exactly the same. But there's quite a nice rift between Joe and Mike about the best way to do this. Yeah, and I was I was quite pleased by that because I thought if they're all sort of like if it's too pally, and poor old Bent in the middle trying to keep yeah. the, trying to keep <laughs> everybody happy. I thought that was quite a nice dynamic actually. Yeah, because I think at one point um, Yates says uh, something about Joe being too idealistic. He says that's what that's what comes with spending too much time with the Doctor. Mm. But if uh, I mean I know the uh, the Nest Cottage stories are probably a different continuity to this, but he's probably spent as much time with the Doctor, <laughs> uh, certainly the fourth Doctor, mm. uh, as Joe did with the third Doctor. Because um, they had tons of adventures, didn't they? they uh, Lived in the same house for quite a while. Yes. So. Yeah, that's it. There's the there's the one trapped in that, a cellar together. <laughs> the, and there's that one where that the part of the village gets transported into, into space. space. Yes. Uh, yeah. So uh, with the second Doctor as well. Or oh, was it? That. Yeah. That was a good idea. I didn't think I don't think his son sounds sufficiently like Troughton. Does he? One of his sons plays. He did, yeah, no, but he got the mannerisms down pat because he'd done it. We he sort of done a lot of um, of the talking books, and he sort of like I think that's why they brought him in because he sort of did yeah. a reasonable impression of his mannerisms. Yeah, where they could portray, but as they, they sort of like I'm not going to give it away, but had sort of like a bit of a get out for that. So yeah, yeah, which was quite uh, quite clever. I thought. I think Fraser Hines does a better. They are my favourite fourth Doctor audios, incidentally. I love those Paul Mars three years. I think they're absolutely brilliant. They are, aren't they? I've listened to them more than. Probably anything actually. Yeah. I really like those. They're yeah. my comfort listen. <laughs> the first series in particular. Mm. Um, I think to get Tom back to being the Doctor. Yeah. I mean, nothing like the TV personality. But I thought, well, actually, who cares? In the in the context of these adventures, it's absolutely spot on. Yeah, it was because I think Paul Myers got his um, the the there's an eloquence to the language, wasn't there? Mm. That that Tom Baker delivering it really really suited. Uh, and then having Mrs. Wibsey and, and just the way he says her name, it was, yeah, uh, yeah they're a really good listen. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. <laughs> After we've gone off on that tangent. Anyway, so, <laughs> and then they defeat the aliens by the most British way possible with the weather. The weather, yeah, that's it. I did like that as an idea of like the archetypal of a British thing to do is yeah. <laughs> to use the weather as an enemy. <laughs> yeah, it, it made me think because the uh, Osgood's got um, a, a prototype. Um, Transmat, which was handy in this, hasn't she? Which uh, and that's a bit of continuity as well because they've got one in the television series as well, haven't they? That uh, Martha uses. Yes. So I'm ass- I'm assuming it's a version of that. That's true. And then the ability to control the weather. It made me think of the sort of the second Doctor stories, though the the Transmat from oh the team map from the weather control death. station. Yeah. yeah Wet and, and dry with one lever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, three buttons. Yeah. Three levers, wet and dry. Because um, there's no other variations of weather. So yeah. <laughs> It's the moon base, isn't it? The oh, the, yeah, for the Gravitron. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it made me think it's, it's uh, because I guess those stories probably aren't set that that much further on from the point we are now. 
Um, you can consider anybody in the world. It's actually this year. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> is it? Is it 2017, 2018? Yeah, because the license expired in 2018, That's so right, it must yeah. be 2017, unless she's uh, quite close to the wire. So either way, it's coming up, folks. Yeah, that's it. So if you live near a volcano, worry. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I like that idea. Oh, that salamander. The uh, that they might be, you know, bringing along the, the human technology in the in the series. To meet up with where we see it in the uh, in the second. It kind of makes sense that the unit would have these things because they do clean up operations. They have to do something with it. That's not yeah. that we ignore it, are we? So uh, this um, there's a small number of stories that Big Finish do where um, the cast of uh, the Paul McGann movie sort of are unit operatives. Uh, they're the basically vaults, this, yeah, this yeah. big vault, and that's quite a nice idea. So I don't know why they did that so quickly because there's a number of stories they're going to have just with, like things they found. Yeah. They could have like a little portmanteau series of adventures, like Tales of the Vault or something. Yeah. <laughs> it, it ties in with you mentioned before, Scales of Injustice, which is um, Gary Russell's third Doctor missing adventure, isn't Exit it? Exit for Liz Shaw, basically. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's a massive kind of continuity fest, isn't it? Oh, because it's uh, yeah. being a fanboy, I thought it was brilliant at the time. Yeah, I have to say. <laughs> I, it's it's probably the the Virgin, but probably I've maybe not read the most, but I've read. A lot of. I've read it two or three times. It's one you can read bits of, I always think. Yeah. yeah you think, oh, what was that bit where he gets? And you can, you can spot, they, they tie up. It's mm. like an alternative history of Britain where, where you've got bits from Remembrance of the Daleks and the War Machines and, and the Unit Era uh, and, and a lot of different stuff like that. And a nice exit for Liz at the end, which is sort of both sentimental and unsentimental at the same time, which I thought was a really nice bit of writing. Didn't it? Yeah, that's it, because she doesn't, she doesn't get an on-screen exit, does she? And they explain how the Doctor knows about the Mercury in uh, the uh, Warriors, Warriors of the Deep, Deep. Uh, you know, because he's been to pantomimes. Yeah, <laughs> I was a fan of Rentigos. Um because that's uh, he learns a lot more about the Solarians in that story, doesn't he? Um, can't remember what it's like. It's in that as well, isn't it? There's sort of like uh, I think so. Yeah, d- different uh, types of uh, reptile have uh, got does, together, and uh, yeah, and they're a bit shunned as well. He finds some hieroglyphs or something, doesn't it? Showing all the different ones, so it, it even sort of uh, foreshadows the uh, the different versions that we get in the new series as well. Um, but uh, yeah, that's where he sets up the vault. That's what I was going to say. The, the, oh right, I forgot that. There's the vault and is it C19. Oh yes, that became became quite a thing. That got very complicated. <laughs> yeah, and it's like a one-off mention in a in a Davison story. Time, time flight, time yeah. Flight, yeah. Uh, tying all that together. Um, yeah. Basically, if you're a brand new fan, it must be completely impenetrable, all this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a brand new fan, you'd, you'd, just, you'd probably just stick to the TV series, wouldn't you? You'd, uh, and just have wonderful people uh, like us explain to them why they're wrong. All the yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot to... Uh, there's a lot to de- delve into, isn't there? And there's there's plenty of time between series uh, to do so. It seems like we're in for maybe another big gap now before we get series eleven. By all accounts, oh, and it's yes. going to be. Well, they haven't even started filming yet, have they? So. No, I mean, yet yeah, I think um, uh, Jason, who's been on the podcast a couple of times, said that potentially they're filming towards the end of this year. Um, Which but basically means autumn, I suppose, because yeah, they won't be able to get ready for Easter in that time quickly, would they? And no, that's it. Divided season, like they did with. Um, I wouldn't imagine they'd launch a new Doctor with a divided series, really, would they? So no, you wouldn't have thought so. A divided audience, maybe, yeah. but not a divided series. <laughs> uh, but you hear a lot of conflicting things about whether it's going to be moved to a Sunday, whether it's going to be 10 hour-long episodes instead of 12, 45 minutes. And so I guess we'll see 
as the news comes out, there'll be companion announcements and costume announcements and writer announcements. A friend of mine had his own very good authority from somebody in the BBC that David Tennant was coming back and he would not be swayed on that. (laughs) (laughs) It won't be. But uh, anyway. Yeah. I've got to give the best words in the English language. I told you so. There's there's (laughs) been people wanting to bring David Tennant back. I mean, the thing is, if David Tennant wanted to come back, they would bring him back. Oh, the snap his arm off. It's entirely his own choice, isn't it? Hmm. The thing I thought was interesting a few years ago, after they filmed Day of the Doctor, where Stephen Moffat said that um, Matt Smith and David Tennant had such a good time working together, that they proposed doing half a series each, or, or something like five episodes each of a series, uh, and then two or three episodes where they oh, team never up. Heard that. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, Stephen Moffat said that they like a series of Tales of the Doctor or something. Yeah, yeah. that they they come to him and propose this. Um, I don't know right? whether whether seriously or not. I think it was probably in the Doctor Who magazine or did his column the uh, production notes. Mm. Um, I stopped buying the magazine quite a while ago now, to be honest. Yeah. I, I I wouldn't be without it. I tend to find everything on it's already on the internet anyway, to be honest. So yeah, yeah it's not the um, not the fact of fiction and the. Uh, mm. I tend to know most of that anyway. Yeah, <laughs> There's usually new stuff. That's what you get when you're very, very old. You learn all this stuff. <laughs> well, I, I enjoy that, and uh, I, I subscribe to the uh, the complete history as well. Yeah, I avoided that on purpose, but basically, I spend so much money on Doctor Who already. I was yeah. reluctant to <laughs> basically start another collection, and I have a very tiny house, which is now almost completely dominated by this yeah. stuff. So, yes, I'm. Uh, I still buy the um, the CDs for the big finish, but I am slightly tempted just to go to to download because I, I, pure space more than anything. Yeah. But then my internet packed up BT, thank you very much, for three weeks, and I suddenly thought all the stuff I would have on just download, I'd now no longer have access to. So uh, yeah, CDs have suddenly got more appeal again. It reminds me there's a there's a Terry Pratchett line, um, the author Terry Pratchett, something like if you've if you've got book space. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to know you or something like that. It's like if, if you've got space for all your Doctor Who stuff to have it out, it's. Uh, <laughs> sure, because I don't I really do shelves, so it's just stuck on top of each other. There's one I've just been found dead underneath. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just have collapsed. Yeah. yeah. I've chronological piles. I've got I've got a wall of shelves that are full of Doctor Who stuff, but I haven't got space for my Target novelizations or my albums. You on mean it, you've not threaded the uh, other books in together, so you've got the Target novels and your other uh, Virgin Adventure and everything all threaded through? I haven't, unfortunately, <gasps> no. Oh, fake fan, fake fan. Well, <laughs> I, I've got my missing adventures and my past Doctor adventures just in release order. Do you have them in, oh, no. in story order? Big Finish are in release order, DVDs are in story order, and books yeah. are in story order. Why I've done that difference, I don't know. But uh, Yeah, it's always, it is quite interesting. This is discussion uh, I was having with um, John and Lawrence from the Highlanders podcast. Mm. Lawrence does the same thing as me of putting the um, the CDs of the missing stories in between the DVDs. I've done that now. Yes. Yeah. Oh I yeah. Succumb- I've succumbed, succumbed and done that. Yes. That's right. That's what sparked it off. Actually, yeah. I think you you tweeted the picture of it, and I said, "Yep, I do that as well." Um, because for me, it's about having the most complete version of it in mm. that space. Um, but no, I think. If I get space for my target books, I'll just have them in. So your target books, you put them in the in story order. They're in story order, yeah. Because I always did that from a child, basically. They went in the order of... Right. I think when I did have them out, it was... It was a poster uh, that came with Doctor Who Monthly. And it was the first time I'd ever seen that. It was like, it was for the... 
It must have been towards the end of Tom Baker's. He'd actually got a couple of story titles that hadn't actually been broadcast yet because I remember seeing the title of Lockbillis as his last story. And there was this particular poster and I put all my books in order. That was probably the first time I really realised not all the books had the same title as the television episodes. Yeah. <laughs> but I managed to work them out. And then, because I didn't, I genuinely hadn't realised that Robot was called Robot until then. I actually thought it was called the, the, giant, the giant Robot. robot so I think, yeah. yeah. I still think that's a better title. It's, it's a much yeah. better title, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. You just sort of give the game away. Yeah. <laughs> what the conclusion will be. But uh, yeah, and I did that then. I sort of did it ever since. But uh, yeah, I've not. Th- um, I suppose if you have a house like the size of a palace, you could do every piece you of uh, spin off into a. Yeah. An order. <laughs> Some of it does contradict each other. And I've got at least two uh, Colin Baker final things as a book and a audio like a departure for him now, which are completely contradictory. Ah, right. I've Plus the, the Target books, um, they've got um, departures for him as well, which are contradictory to. Uh, so there's at least three departures for him now. I didn't, the target, is that in the, the end of Trial of a Time Lord then? Yeah. I have read that, but I don't. I know they tie up the contradiction that, that Mel goes travelling with the Doctor that she hasn't met yet. Mm. But they more or less um, end the book on going to Lucretia, which sort of gets rid of all the other spin-off books. Right. But you just have to ignore stuff like that. Because yeah. Spout Snatch ends uh, Connor Baker's run, and so does the, 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 the final adventure, or the last adventure, whatever it is. The, yeah, I've heard the, the big finish one. That's very good. Yeah. Really. Where would we be with our big finish? Rich, that's the word. <laughs> they do very good work, don't yeah. they? Um, the, the other thing I was going to mention was um, Osgood, they come close to, in one of the stories. Benton says to Osgood, are oh, you just like him? And she says, oh, you mean my... And then Benton goes, the doctor, you just like the doctor. Because there's an Osgood in the demon. Where they're going to bring the father into it. Yes, I wondered that, yeah. Or grandfather, whatever he is, yes. Yeah, because it is Osgood, isn't it? It's, it is, it's yeah. Demons, and the, they're trying to get to people have speculated it's the same. It's And even on the commentary that um, Toby Holdup's re- um, recently, they actually talked to the actor and he sort of said, well, that's my relative on the new series. Why aren't I in it? Yeah. In effect, so, uh, so yeah. Because he's only in that one story, isn't he? He uh, is, yeah, he's in the demons. But he's got the glasses and he's the kind of, he's a science bod as well. Yeah, I think um, according to the um, the blurb or the production notes, I don't think they, they got on terribly well with Pertwee, so I think that sort of did it for him as a returning oh, character. Right. But, uh, oh, that's a shame. That might just be scandalous gossip, I don't know. Yeah, but um, yeah, they seemed like they, they came close to, to saying that, but then stopped short, so maybe they don't want to contradict uh, you know anything that's going to happen in uh, in the future. But whether Chibnall... Do we think these characters will come back? Yeah, I was just going to say, um, will Chibnall use them all? Yeah, the, the kind of... Because what's interesting is the, the last Christmas special seemed to end on a cliffhanger, didn't it? Where the Harmony Shoal... I forgot about that, yes, but they're sort of infiltrated in by... Uh, yeah. They're infiltrating unit, um, which I kind of assumed would be picked up again in this series. Um, it's never mentioned again. hasn't been. Whether the final Christmas special for uh, Moffat and Capaldi... Because we don't really... Obviously, the trailer's been released and this week. And Clara. Yeah. And, and, and Polly and whoever else might yeah. be. <laughs> Pick um, your rumour. Yes. So and Mark Gatiss. Yeah. And World War One or World War Two. <laughs> the yeah, it's interesting that, isn't it? And World Hartnell Console Room. Oh comment. It looks good, doesn't it? Um yeah, we should talk about the trailer actually, because that was released on Sunday evening. It was. Sunday I was on night shift and watched it on my break at two o'clock in the morning. Um, I was very excited. Yeah, I, the other I, carers were thrilled, I'm sure, when I explained yeah. everything to them in great detail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I stayed up a little bit, so it was a little bit past my bedtime. I stayed up to watch it. It was released at half past ten. Uh, 
but yeah very exciting and there was the morph effect from um that is glorious isn't it oh my god it's yeah. a bit creepy yeah yeah it's all, yeah it's a bit uh, yeah <laughs> yeah i think if it was sort of like you saw it in real life you'd probably run a mile yeah. wouldn't you but uh, Yes, I thought that was very clever. But, but yeah, changing Hartnell, quite a well-known speech from the Tenth Planet, isn't it? Mm. Um, in, into um, Bradley. Bra yeah, John, uh, David Bradley's mm. impersonation worked really, really well. Yeah, some um, people are saying, oh, but he was terrible in uh, playing the First Doctor. Previously, I think, well, he wasn't playing the First Doctor. He was playing Hartnell playing the First yeah. Doctor. This <laughs> time he's going to be playing, presumably, yeah. the First Doctor, or an approximation of it. Yeah. Maybe he won't uh, turn out to be, who knows, it might be... Um, Robert Holmes' uh, robot first doctor that he was going to use for five doctors. And uh, yeah. all over and all his springs will come out. Who knows? <laughs> or the one from The Chase as well. Oh, yes. I hope it is uh, that one. It was so realistic. Uh, that was uh, John Freetonby. Actually, that was, that's what he said on uh, on Twitter, that uh, it's going to be the uh, the robot from The, from the Chase. The, the exact it's double. perfect sense now. The exact double. It was, uh, as the Daleks say, it's impossible to, see, to tell them apart. <laughs> Apart from his face. Yeah. <laughs> and his height. And yeah. his mannerisms and his voice. Well, David Bradley is quite a bit taller than uh, than Hartnell, I think, isn't he? Because uh, they've um, this is something I've seen on, on Twitter this week. Yeah, Clayton Hickman, who I don't know if you follow him. Oh, I do. Yes. Yeah, he's uh, just for his um, TARDIS pictures, which is yeah, <laughs> a joy to be followed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so probably all the listeners do follow him, but if you don't, he, he's uh, he's brilliant person to follow. Yeah, what they call midnight tardis porn, doesn't he? We just yeah. put on <laughs> pictures of console rooms just to uh, ogle over. Yes. Yeah, he's the former editor of the Doctor Who magazine um, and an expert on the, the lettering, on the signage of the TARDIS. The and colours. a judge on Totally Doctor Who. Yeah, oh, I've forgotten about that. <laughs> it's terrifying what pops into my head from <laughs> that, that was axed, wasn't it? <laughs> After one series, yeah. Um, but yeah, he was. I think he was saying he's consulted on the recreation of the first Doctor's TARDIS. Really? I didn't realise that. Um, yeah. Because you see the pictures of them next to each other in the field uh, in the trailer um, and the new one is so much bigger than the old one and yeah. the old one has been made bigger so uh, I think partly so that it wasn't as dwarfed by the 12th Doctor's TARDIS and partly because David Bradley's actually taller to come out with. Taller yeah. than, uh, than yeah. William Hartnell so it doesn't look odd him coming out of it as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, from what I've seen, it's he sounds like him. He looks like he's got the, the mannerisms down. Uh, I think it's going to be uh, going to be very good. Yeah. I think when the because they announced at Comic Con that um, Mark Gatiss is uh, is going to be in the Christmas special, and a lot of people leapt to the uh, conclusion that he might be playing the Third Doctor after his like extra on his DVD. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he dressed up as it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it, yeah, he seems like he's a he's a World War One or World War Two soldier. Um, the speculation that he might be the Brigadier's father, I've seen, but uh, uh, I don't know if that'll, that'll be true or not. So we get the so we get the uh, another Lethbridge Stewart uh, family here. Yeah, and they could bring him back for a spin-off unit assembled adventure. There yeah, we are. Yeah. <laughs> if he's still alive. Uh, but uh, yeah, which will give the the Brigadier a con. Uh, like you said about Yates, if you take all the spin-off. Because in the new adventures, uh, the Brigadier becomes rejuvenated, doesn't oh, he? Oh, he has all there. sorts of weird and wonderful things happen to him, yes. But he does get start getting younger at one point, yeah. He does. He, he gets uh, he gets returned to his sort of 70s. Or and that got carried on in the BBC Brian. books as well, when he was getting a lot younger as well. Mm. Yeah. And then he's got his uh, adopted daughter, hasn't he? He's got Kadir too. I'm glad you pronounced the name, because I was never entirely sure, yes. but I'm, uh, I'm guessing. I'm taking this. When he went on, uh, he sort of like he had a bit of a naughty uh, time on our trip somewhere, didn't he? And... Uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, it was a, it was a houseboy who was a girl. Did the dirty uh, on Doris? Yeah. yeah. Not a sentence I'd ever thought I'd say. No. <laughs> <laughs> and then she became, I haven't read Monks to Be for a long time. She was a sort of a semi regular character. A bit of a she, I think she appeared in more than one story, yeah. She was going back a bit. I think at the time they were all writing potential companions, weren't they? Yeah. And then Benny's the one that sort of like they they latched onto, but uh, yeah. yeah and think. she's had a, the best kind of uh, oh my goodness yeah, longevity of, it, of of any kind of spin-off character, hasn't she? She's and if she hadn't a word, we wouldn't have been talking about uh, big finished things now because she was the first one, and she's the one that got the uh, persuaded them basically for the BBC to uh, give them the license. So if it hadn't been Benny, we wouldn't might not even be discussing this now. No, absolutely. Yeah, they they might have been talking about downtown. They yeah. <laughs> They did such a good job, didn't they? The, the production value they were so high, that was yeah. how they got the license. And that was from doing um, amateur things in their spare time, basically, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. On cassette. That's it. You'll have to put a show note for the uh, younger fans of what a cassette is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so things yeah. from Guardians of the Galaxy, that's what it is. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, that was something that I remember reading in the. Those, I don't know if it was. Was it in um, Russell T. Davis' book or an interview he did where. There was a danger of them losing it once the series came back in two thousand five. Yes, it was that Toby Holock interview. So he sort of said he sort of like right. he sort of guarded the uh, thing for them and sort of like I said, oh no, I'll deal with that. And uh, yeah, one of the other producers, the exec producers, said, oh, what's this? And uh, mm. Mr. Davies said, no, I'll take. No, care I'll of that. look after that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So thankfully, uh, yeah, kept that going. And their license has recently been re- renewed as well, hasn't it? For the to the point where I will never have a pension. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, because they, they're announcing the War Doctor series is coming out. War Master series coming out? The War Master. So I meant to say that, I meant to say the War Master. Uh, obviously the War Doctor is, is now finished. McGann's Time War Adventures coming out. And Jenny, the Doctor's daughter. Has that been officially announced yet? I, think Peter, like, I saw Peter Davison announced Yeah, I think it's the worst kept secret on the internet, but I yeah. don't think they've, they've actually officially right. announced that yet. But this is like the Tenth Doctor and and Donna that was leaked, wasn't it? And the Tenth Doctor yeah. and Rose was leaked beforehand, before the official announcement. Um, I mean, Peter Davis is a pretty good source for that, you would think. Hurdy dover dinner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's. Uh, oh, there's glary, get the internet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's unit assembled. Well, I hope that made sense. <laughs> Very much, yeah. <laughs> well, I really enjoyed it. So, it took me a while to get over me, um, you know, sort of a bit of a blind spot when it comes to Silurians and Sea Devil stories. But, uh, yes, yeah, so just to hear it, them obviously having quite a good time playing the original parts again, which was really nice, yeah. That's it. It's been quite an eventful yeah, week, uh, really, so there's uh, been plenty to talk about. It has, yeah. Um, yeah, they're probably not all going to be this eventful uh, between now and... Christmas. I should hope not, we'll run out of companions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Conventions will be very empty. But uh, yeah, that's it. That's great. Well, thank you very much for joining me. We will uh, see you again on the podcast soon. Oh, Woody. And thanks for listening at home. If you want to follow Keith on Twitter, he is... I'll let you do it. It's 50DW50. I am trap one underscore, and you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Google or any other listening platform uh join me next week for another trap one podcast thank you bye goodbye